0: Founders Brewing Company has found a way to make an IPA you can enjoy anytime that's perfect for any occasion with their all-day IPA at 4.7 ABV. You can still taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. That full flavor and low ABV is what continues to make it a staple in my fridge. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer at FoundersBrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997.
1: There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot
0: be combined with combo meal.
2: If you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Taco Supremo. Twenty-four years ago, a picturesque town in Australia was rocked when three beautiful young women were snatched up and dumped in the bush. Millions of dollars were spent, thousands of leads chased, hundreds of DNA samples were tested, and right now, the trial for one man is center stage in the most exhaustive investigation in recent history. But is this man who stands accused really the deviant monster that police claim? Is this unassuming character really Australia's most famous unsolved serial killer? After 24 years, have detectives finally captured the Claremont Killer?
3: To um, Mari in Brazil for um, letting us know that we were her most listened to podcast of 2019. All right. Pretty awesome. And congratulations on your baby taco.
2: Oh, <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Well,
3: she's due in, in March. so A human,
2: though, not a correct. Not Correct. Not,
3: not what happens after you go to Chipotle.
2: Big shout out to Brittany. She emailed me.
3: Yes.
2: And I'm going to do a story for her that I was I've been waiting for someone to request. So tonight? thank you so much. No, not tonight. Oh.
3: Bum, bum, bum. Is this a request?
2: This is not a request, oh. but I did put the hint on Facebook and I told people to guess. WWGWWK, which means
3: Where are we going? Who are we killing?
2: Mm-hmm. So I see Mari's post right here. E. M. Converso, Conversa, Seuss podcast, Maz Ovadoras in 2019.
3: I don't speak Portuguese, but I'm sure you butchered that just fine.
2: All right. Um, oh, nobody guessed tonight for the hint, but someone did tell us to do sake bombs. Shout out to Lauren.
3: Oh, we didn't have any sake. Had we known, we would have gone to the store. Instead, we are drinking the kimono cocktail, mm. which is um, mostly gin. So it's gin, Campari. Ugh, Campari is disgusting. Quantro, lemon juice.
2: Cointreau. And yeah,
3: origat. It's
2: like, the name of a car, isn't it? Quantro.
3: Is
4: it?
2: Yeah, Nitro? The, the Ford Cointreau.
4: Is that really a car name? Yeah, but it's not spelled the same way. Alright, so Well, do do
3: we do we, should we guess first?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Nicole, I said tonight the hint is come on. Oh.
3: Well, I so, still think we're going to where Japan. Where are we going? Who are we killing? I still think we're going to Japan. Um, and I think
2: Why would you not think we're going to Japan?
3: I don't know, because you could try to trick us quite often on this podcast. Um, so I think we're going to Japan and I think no, I think a geisha gets killed. Surprise
4: shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. So we're continuing with our oh, yeah. shots of Christmas. Yay! It's my new favorite segment. It, is, it really is my oh, new favorite segment. God. So who's going first? John. On the fourth shot of Christmas, John picked from the tree. Oh, shit. Oh,
2: my God. Titties? What is this? I don't know. I don't remember. It take smells fucking gross. Well, take you know, a shot. You wanted the green one. Holy shit! Trade with me. know I don't, no. don't want to take this. No.
4: no. Do it. It
2: smells really bad. Don't oh.
4: Do it. Sucks to be you.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like tequila or something. <laughs> that hurts.
4: But, that uh, legitimately what, hurts. What flavor profile
2: would you say? It burns.
4: The Dolce Vita pineapple jalapeno telequila.
2: Yeah, it's tequila. Ooh. Yeah, now it tastes the pineapples too. Thanks a lot. I think it's gross.
4: On the fifth shot of Christmas, Nicole, picked from the tree. Uh-oh.
2: Who's pouring these damn shots? Me. So
4: Of course the tequila. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't have much of a flavor. Dolce Vita lime. Dolce Vita pineapple jalapeno. Jen. Sweet tea.
2: I don't vodka. like this game. <laughs> I don't. Okay, that was really bad. <laughs> like really
4: watermelon, bad. vodka, and Jameson's Cosmic IPA whiskey. All right, my turn. On That's the no sixth blind. shot of Christmas, I took from the tree. Crown Royal Apple. Aw, oh, man. Wow. Dolce Vita Lime. Dolce Vita Pineapple Jalapeno. Sweet Tea Moonshine. Watermelon vodka and Jamison's Cast Whiskey IPA.
2: All righty, let's get started with tonight's case. Okay. Go to talkmurder.com to see all these pictures. Actually, I went up to you and put them all in GIFs. GIFies. GIFs.
3: I don't know what they really are supposed to be called, but GIFs. I like real GIF? Yeah. That's the peanut butter. Yeah. Choosy moms choose GIF.
4: Yes. I think it's GIF. I prefer the term GIF, but I'm pretty sure it's actually JIF.
2: Okay, tonight we are going international, and we're going to, not Japan, we're going to a current case that's going on right now that's Hmm. super interesting, Hmm. and I literally cannot take my eyes away from the trial that's going on right now, it's a... Serial killer murder trial
0: Ooh.
2: in Australia. Oh. My favorite place. My favorite place to do murders in Australia. So Nicole, we're going to Perth, Australia. So where is that at in Australia? East, uh, west, north, or south? Or right in the middle?
3: Perth, I believe, is on the west coast. <gasps>
2: ah, third place geography B. Yeah. I think we should give you the first place. That was uh, the correct answer.
3: Thank you. Yes.
2: I put on Facebook that you wouldn't know the hint unless you're a true crime, a real true crime addict that keeps up with daily news. This is a case that's going on right now.
3: I bet you Savannah got it.
2: Well, I don't think she saw it yet, but I I guarantee you she... That's
3: you jazz got it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, jazz. Anyone that's in Australia knows this because they know this case because it's actually the longest and most expensive investigation in Australia mm. history. It's Oh, really? that had the most manpower of any other case, including some of the big cases out there. And no one has ever been convicted and sentenced for this case, but there is someone in prison right there is someone in trial right now for the murder of three women. So the killer killed three people, and he's going to trial right now and i'm I'm telling you as you could literally put on your notification bell and get updates on this case today is sunday december 8th this is the information that's out right now this is pretty much all you're going to find on it but it will progress and more information will come out but as of december 8th sunday this is what i'm giving it to you right now cool all right
3: i love active cases
2: yeah, this case is super interesting. You know, um, just to like break you guys into the case, think Colonel Russell Williams. Oh, and a that little is bit- <laughs> one of my all-time
3: favorite cases. Holy and a, shit! And
2: a little bit of Jerry Brutos mixed with some Golden State Killer. That's pretty much Jerry this case. Brudos. He was a shoe fetish. Shoe fetish. fetish. Guy. Okay. Yeah.
3: All right. Um, wow, this guy is really fucking weird. Okay. Oh
2: yeah, definitely. So I take it
3: he is. Um, Trying women's clothing on. So he's breaking into their houses, raping them, trying on their clothes.
2: All righty, guys. Tonight we are going to Claremont. We are talking about the Claremont serial killer right Mm -hmm. here. So Nicole Mm -hmm. was right as far as Western Australia. Around this area is kind of like a downtown area. Not wealthy, but kind of... Higher class people that visit this area. There's bars, cafes. So kind of think of like downtown Charleston, you know, and some of the nice shops and restaurants. And quote from one reporter: Youngsters in Doc Martens and black garb mingle in cafe and bars. Now this is oh, so a goth bar? Huh, goth?
4: Yeah, like Doc Martens and dark black clothing. Punk, punk?
2: No, not a punk bar.
4: What? What? That's
3: a, no, those it's not are... punk
2: bar. It's, okay. um, it's like a... Uh, hipster? Hipster, yeah. All right, so this is during the day they mingle there. But at night, the 20s and 30s, they all go to the Federation-style Continental Hotel, known as the Conti, and they also go to a club that's very popular called Club Bay. Now, in fact, two of the women were abducted after leaving Club Bay. Okay. And the other one from the Continental, which we'll get to. One local shop owner around the Claremont area says, quote, yuppie territory full, full of silly young things looking for a good time for the, the Club Bay, mm-hmm. a neighborhood cocktail bar for those who look over 25. So they don't really card as far as for those 21. those who look over yeah. 25.
3: Well, what's the, is the drinking age 21 in Australia? Yeah, I
2: think it's 21. I don't know if it was 21 at the time of this we're going we're going in 1996. <laughs> All right.
3: I'm about to turn 29.
2: Oh my I'm gonna god. I'm going to be in my
3: last year of my 20s. Celebrate it.
2: Time Bye. to tra- time to trade you in for a new model. <laughs> a younger. I'm just kidding. I like am old. <gasps> <laughs> shit. <laughs> I am 5 years younger <laughs> than you. Uh, Okay, this is Sarah Spires. Go to TalkMore.com. See the pictures. This is her. Can you describe this person for us?
3: Girl next door, wholesome, blonde.
2: Blonde. Very good. Girl next door, wholesome, and blonde. Blonde being one of the most important things there. Now, she was a secretary. She goes missing January 27th, 1996. How old was she? She was 18.
4: I was going to say, she didn't look very old. Yeah, she was 18 at the time.
2: She actually was... In the Bayview Hotel, or excuse me, she was in the Bayview Club, and like I said, she, I guess at that time, she looked over twenty-five. Friends of hers called her "quote happy and chatty." Now she visited a friend, Annabelle Ham, on the day of her missing. Now her body has never been found. Mm. Okay, so we're going to talk about three women tonight, and a and a few rape victims. But out of the three that were murdered, only two were found. Sarah Spires, the first one that we're going to, Mm -hmm. she has never been found to this day. She goes to her friend Annabelle Ham's house in Riverside Mosman Park. She goes there around noon. She leaves Club Bayview, the center of Claremont, where I just showed you, around 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, she's walking by herself because she's done for the night. She's calling it quits. Now, she's out with a bunch of friends. And it's crazy because if you go watch the videos, there was this one random YouTube commenter on one of these videos I have watched about this case that said, it was like the top voted comment. It said, ladies, please do not walk alone. Always mm-hmm. be in twos or threes if you can. And it was just some some person that said that. And it was like, got liked like hundreds of times. It's sad but true. Mm-hmm. It is sad but true. but. I want to say and I, I didn't really build up the area but this part of town Claremont is crime free. Uh, okay? I mean it'd be
3: like us walking home from Mount Pleasant.
4: If
2: we wanted yeah. to walk
4: to the Taco Bell, it would
3: be Yeah, or
2: the IHOP.
4: Relatively.
3: Yes, yeah,
2: like us walking from IHOP. Yeah.
4: Well, that's not necessarily safe when you consider the, the traffic. Yeah, but I mean yeah, but like cr- crime-wise. Uh, crime
2: like, yeah. So the last time she was seen was by her friends. She leaves Bayview and she's like, you know what? I'm just done for the night. I'm just going to go back to my friend Annabelle's house and I'm just going to get a taxi. Now she walks a few blocks because the nearest phone booth is a few blocks away. And it's after midnight. It's 2 a.m. in the morning.
3: Mm.
2: Now she gets to the phone booth and calls Swan Taxis. She actually lives with her sister in an apartment, but she lives pretty far away. So she requested for the taxi to take her to Mosman Park, where she came from earlier today, to stay at Annabelle's house for the night, okay, instead of going back to South Perth where she lived. Mm -hmm. She was sighted walking alone near the corner of Sterling Road. Three eyewitnesses, okay, actually remembered seeing her because they pull up and the streets are literally empty, Mm -hmm. empty streets, but there's no crime. So it's like just a nice night out. By the stoplight, there's the phone booth. This car pulls up with three men inside, and they remember seeing her standing there. She had just called for the taxi, and as they drove off, because the light turned green, they were actually asking each other, because they went back to the police and said this, maybe we should go back and just wait with her until her taxi comes or something. But they didn't, you know, you know if mm-hmm. they could go back in time, but... When they were driving away, they looked back in the rear view mirror and a car did pull up. It was like a like a corolla looking car, like a light grayish corolla. Mm-hmm. Kind of looked like a taxi from their perspective at least. Okay. And it did stop right with her. Mm. It stopped right beside her. She calls the taxi at 2:06 a.m. And at 214 a.m, So eight minutes later, she's not there. The taxi shows up and can't find her anywhere.
4: Oh, this is similar to the story, the Uber story. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Because that's going to, yeah, that's a good point, Jen.
3: She was at OBH Friday night and I went there. I called in to see her. and
2: Okay. This is Amanda Spires. This is her sister.
3: To tell them that I'd drop them at club if they wanted to go. And then I went to a friend's, then I came back and got them, and she was happy,
4: um, gave me a hug, kiss, goodbye, thanks for dropping us off.
2: It's the last time I saw her. This is from ABC News Australia, and this was actually posted last Friday.
3: Judith Barat, who lived in Fairlight Street in Mossman Park in 1996, recalled hearing, quote, desperate, blood-curdling, terrible, terrible screams in the early hours of January 27th that were, quote, very high-pitched. After that, there was, quote, absolute silence.
2: That's not good. Now, no. there, was, there was a few people that heard those screams. Another witness, Jesse Marie Munro, who lived in a nearby apartment, also heard the same screams.
3: The three Mossman Park residents all testified the screams appeared to have come from the direction of a phone box on Monument Street outside the local shopping center. Mr. Stewart and Missus Monroe looked out of their apartment window and said they saw a vehicle parked next to the phone box with its tall lights on, then heard car door slamming. Mr. Stewart said the vehicle was light-colored station wagon, probably a Toyota Corona.
2: Um, I became most concerned on Monday morning when I rang. She starts work at 8 and I rang at quarter past 8 just to catch up with her because I hadn't seen her all weekend. And as soon as I found out she
3: wasn't there, I rang all of her friends, and no one had seen her since Friday night. And then I came home here because I had stayed at a friend's, came home here, and we rang the police from here at about quarter to nine.
2: Okay, that was mm-hmm. her sister again.
3: Sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, She's very collected. Yes.
2: Don Spire, the, the father, said that his daughter was, quote, very affectionate and would always light yeah. people up, and she was always there for us. All right, that's number one. Might as well move on. Jane Rimmer, second victim. Um, she's actually a childcare worker. Now, all these women I'm talking about, they come from middle class homes, and the reason I'm saying that is because they're not runaways. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not Fair. that that matters, but yeah. you know, they they have friends, they have careers. You know, Jane Rimmer, the 23 year old I'm talking about now, she was a childcare worker. That's all she wanted to do when she was growing up is help children. She's not just going to run away. Like these women were taken at the, the center here, the Claremont Center. Her friend Linda Donovan that was with her on the night says, quote, I thought she was gorgeous and her personality matched her face. She was just a really good person. Very smiley, nice and friendly. She comes from a middle class home. This is from The Age, Tuesday, August 6, 1996. If you want to read this, Nicole.
3: Miss Rimmer disappeared from the upmarket Perth suburb of Claremont on ninth of June after visiting a hotel. On the twenty seventh of January, a teenager, Sarah Spears, oh. vanished after leaving a nearby nightclub.
2: There's security footage of her waiting outside the Continental on twelve at twelve oh four AM and I'm putting that on TalkMurder.com dot com for you guys. She wanted to leave because it was a long line at the club. Bay. Bayview. Very good, yeah. So just like the other one, she was going to go to Club Bayview. Her body was actually found 55 days later, Saturday, 3rd, August, 1996. She was naked. She was in the bushland near Woolcoat Road by a family. Actually, it was a mother and her daughter. They were out picking wildflowers. I mean, just think about it. Your daughter stumbles upon a decomposed body. Yeah. So the two bodies they found... Jane Rimmer and the one I'm about to talk about, they were both found the same way, face down, almost or completely naked and covered with the foliage. I mean, basically, he would rip off the little brush, you know, the branches of the trees and kind of like hastily cover them up,
3: mm-hmm.
2: knowing that someone was most likely going to find them.
3: Yeah, it's not like he was digging.
2: Yeah. Now, to get on to the last victim before we get into the killer and everything, Kiera Glennon, she was 27. She was a lawyer. Mm. Okay. Now, she. this was nine months later. This was in 1997. She was the third woman to vanish from the area within a 15-month time period. She was a lawyer in Perth. Her father was a very respected businessman in the area. She was also at the Continental. Now, keep in mind there was a scare At the time, because Sarah Spires goes missing first. Yeah, it's alarming, but there was no body, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone knew she went missing from this place. But, you know, maybe she could have just left. Who knows? But now you had Jane Rimmer. She was in this area, the, the Claremont area. She goes missing from this bar scene, and her body shows up. There's a huge scare now. So after this one... Sierra Glennon, that's when the police knew for certain there was a serial killer working in the area. Mm. Okay. There was three eyewitnesses that observed her walking along Sterling Highway at 11.15 p.m. There was a light-colored vehicle, most likely the same one that, you know, the Toyota Corona, that pulled up and was talking to her.
3: Mm. Must be some
4: trusting-looking guy.
2: I don't know, because remember uh, Edmund Kemper would do the same thing.
4: Yeah, but he, he was... looked safe. He didn't look necessarily like... Ted Bundy? Yeah.
2: All right, Nicole, read this. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald, June 14th, 1997.
3: Lights up. The young woman is standing outside a computer store before walking along the highway away from the brightly lit entertainment strip. She has on a black skirt and a white top, her long, blonde tresses falling over her shoulders mm. she is a little weary and keen to get home fade to black ooh
2: i found a really great newspaper write up about this it kind of reenacted the case in this sort of uh narrative like play like it's a play yeah, a scene, yeah i guess it's like or a, a play scene. This is from The Age, Friday, April 4th, 1997. The
3: body found yesterday was among trees and limestone in sandhill scrub near Yanchep National Park, about 40 kilometers north of Perth. It was discovered about five meters from the Bitumen Road by a young man walking. Police sealed off the isolated area called Eglinton, about two kilometers from the beach.
2: Okay, so this was 19 days after she goes missing. April 3rd, 1997, she's found in the bush, like the last one, okay, Jane Rimmer. Mm -hmm. So you got two bodies found. Just like Jane Rimmer, she's nearly naked, almost—I mean, obviously she was sexually assaulted, right, raped. She was found by a worker near a track in— in scrub, I don't know it's the Australian thing, scrub. I guess it's like a little <laughs> street or something, of Pippadini Road in Eglinton. A reporter from the Sydney Morning Herald said, quote, her partly clad body was found 50 kilometers north of Perth in bushes a few meters from an isolated coastal track. Okay, now this is the paper right here that came out right after that. The headline I'm showing you guys now it says, Body finds leads. Okay, so now they got some leads. Uh, West Australia police to hunt serial killer. Mm. The hunt is officially on now. They know for a fact they have a serial killer. A reward of $250,000 is posted. Yeah.
4: That's a nice piece of pocket change.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, since 1996, this has been the longest, most expensive, and the biggest crime that has ever took in place they've put more resources into this than any other crime and in fact every day the trial is going on and there's new developments okay i try to get all the information i can because honestly i'm gonna tell you guys in a little bit i'm not sure if they can pin these murders on this guy okay that's why i'm so invested in this case I'm not sure. You don't think they have the right guy or that there's not enough evidence to convince I think they got the right guy, but I don't think they can pin this on him.
3: Are there other so I know that we're talking about three victims here. Are there other suspected victims that's not being
2: Yeah, that's a great question. There are there are other victims, two actually showed up in the trial to testify as rape victims. This oh, was bef- this is okay, before, so yeah. So I want to just to talk a little bit about the trial and get off track for a second. The prosecution is building a escalation theory with this guy. He started off as a teenager, mm. panty raiding, kind of like Colonel <laughs> Williams, Williams, yeah, yeah. And then he leads to rape and violence, and then finally to murder. Okay, so this is throughout his whole life. This guy that is arrested right now is fifty years old. He started when he's 19. So they're building an escalation theory of this guy. Now, at her funeral, Sierra Glennon's funeral, 1,500 people attended. And now this is a quote from the newspaper The Age. Quote, friends, police, and politicians shed tears as the Glennon family placed the 27-year-old lawyer's ballet shoes and graduation photo on their coffin to symbolize her love of life. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, she was very uh, prominent in society. Not that the other girls weren't, but she was a very successful lawyer, and her dad was a very successful businessman, so she's going to get a lot of.
3: Sierra's murder has not only ended a life of hope, it has also undermined the sense of decency and security in the community, Mr. Glennon said. There are no explanations in human terms for this. There are no explanations for the family's question, why Sierra, he said. Victory and justice will and must emerge. God came into our garden and picked the most beautiful rose, Mr. Glennon said yesterday. When my heart and soul can bear no more anguish, I think of you and your bridesmaid's dress never to be worn. We now know you are at Denise's wedding. The congregation wept as Mr. Glennon told of his daughter's vitality and love of life, family and friends. We, your friends, remember you for your vitality and humanity, your love of life, Respect of others and in your infectious enthusiasm, Mr. Glennon said. We are lucky to be able to say you were our friend.
2: All right, let me talk about the M.O. of the bodies found. Not, I'm not going to talk about the rape victims, how the killing M.O., but the bodies, both Jane and Sierra were face down in the bush, covered with brush, both had defensive wounds, so they both fought back. Now, what does it mean when they have defensive wounds? Think about them scratching, scratching, yep. scratching which it means...
3: They've got stuff under their fingernails. There you go,
2: fingernail DNA. All right, Jane Rimmer actually had arm injuries saying that she was actually dragged into the bush. Like, mm. dr- like he mm. had her by the hair Ooh. and was dragging her into the bush to rape and kill her. Yikes. There were broken branches and foliage around Sierra Glennon's body. The branches that were broken and put on her body were actually broken off the nearby trees, and they surmised that since... The branches were actually broke off about six feet off the ground, because if you think about it, it's six feet up. You know, you just grab it and break it off that the man that did this must be at least six feet tall. But as far as evidence, yeah, they got DNA. But if the guy isn't in the database, which he was not, what's that going to do?
4: Hmm. Not a
2: not a thing. Not
4: a for a while anyway. I guess they well, keep checking it. I mean, they could confirm it whether or not it was the same profile. For both. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's true. And, and in fact, that's a good point. They did confirm it with the same profile as the rape victim I want to talk about.
1: Your car doesn't get much of a summer break. Bugs, UV rays, and pollen can all cause damage. Stay protected at WetGo with WeatherShield and a free month of unlimited washes. Just purchase your first month of WetGo Go Unlimited and your second month is free. Wash as many times as you want. And when you choose our all-weather or showroom pass featuring Weather Shield, you'll say bye-bye to Bugs all summer long. Sign up today at getgocafe.com/slash unlimited.
0: At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout. One thing I
2: didn't mention about the second body, Jane Rimmer, is there was a knife found by the body. Ooh. Okay. Now, this is very important. It was a Telstra standard issue knife. Now, Telstra, in America, Telstra equals... AT&T, our Telstra equals Verizon, right? It's like a telecommunications company mm. in Australia, right? Okay. So it's like the AT&T that we have, but they have Telstra. So where her body was found and where the knife was found, there has been no work that Telstra has done. They haven't installed phone lines out there. They haven't done anything out there that would... Let that knife end up by the body, way out in the bush. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big factor. Going off that knife, you know, it's a Telstra employee. So the employee probably uh phone. Whoa. A f- huh. What?
3: I don't. How do you? How did you make that connection? It's got to be a Telstra employee.
2: Yeah. All right. So Telstra is like Verizon or AT and T. They come in, install phone lines, and they yeah. do it for big companies and stuff like that. Right. So. Uh, Jane Rimmer's body was way out in the bush, like way, way out there. So
3: you're saying that the only per- way that somebody would have known?
2: No, no, no. They found that knife, the Telstra standard issue knife oh, oh. out by her body.
3: Why? Who gives issues out a knife?
2: Well, I'm, the Verizon guys do. Like that guy that came from AT&T, he had an AT&T issue. I mean, not a knife like a fucking I'm a kill you knife, but like a utility knife, like a box cutter or something. Oh, okay. Not like a fucking All machete, right. you know. What I'm saying? Well okay. maybe in Australia. Well, they may be. I was like, what so-
3: <laughs> the fuck? Like, what do you mean there? It was no, a- like a little
2: knife, like a um, like a, a
3: letter opener. <laughs> a box cutter, right?
2: That says Telstrom. Okay, 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 okay. I do should I Google image the knife so you get a better no, idea? I'm okay no. now. Okay. But anyway, they actually named a suspect. Lance Williams mm-hmm. was his name. Now, this guy is not the guy that's in prison right now mm-hmm. in trial. This guy actually died in 2018 of cancer. Aww. And that may have been perpetuated by the two years the that stress. police surveil- surveyed him. And the stre- because this is the most notorious murder in Australia, mm. unsolved murder. Now you pin one guy, this Lance Williams. Okay, they arrest him.
3: How come they think it's him?
2: Okay, here's how they think it's him. That's a good question. After the two girls... Or after the three girls went missing from that area, Claremont and the two bodies showed up. They actually tracked him. They had surveillance all around the area. They tracked him for several weeks secretly watching and following women around the area in his car. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was arrested April 5th, 1998. He is a 41-year-old public servant. No, that was how old he was then. He's dead now. He died of cancer. He actually failed the lie detector test. Hmm. Okay. But it was his idea to take it. Mm -hmm. So he he didn't do it. Everyone kind of knew that he didn't do it. He was just a weird, creepy dude following women around. In fact, his excuse- There
3: are those out there too. Mm -hmm.
2: His excuse was, and I kind of believe it, honestly, it was these women went missing. They were murdered. So I'm just- cruising around the neighborhood and making sure it doesn't happen again, like kind of stalking women. But you know what I'm saying? If you want to hear more about it, there's a really good podcast, and we never plug podcasts, but this is from the West Australian, and it's covering the case right now. They have all the interviews from him on it. Just type in Claremont Murders, and it's the West Australian. You can hear him talk about it, and his two years of literal harassment from the police, let's not even... Not even going to, you know, understatement there. I mean, they were literally harassing him. And his parents actually came out and accused the police and the media of harassing him. I mean, he became the most hated person in Australia.
3: That's sad. I mean, it like, justified if, he, yeah. if it was him. Well, but that stinks.
2: It, and you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember when we did—and I cannot remember who the case was, but there was another— Person like that. It was one of those unsolved murders, but they had got a guy that was not the killer and they basically followed him and put him in the media and all this stuff. And it turned out he was innocent, but it destroyed his life. I can't remember what case it was. It was one of the ones we did. But anyway, so it's the same thing with that. But the reason I say that is when you do that, when the police do that, they they get uh, tunnel vision, right? Because this... they. Arrested him in 1998. This is what tunnel vision is. They have the DNA, like you said, Nicole, and it did not match. Mm. But yet they still had this guy as the killer, even though his DNA didn't match. That is tunnel vision. Hmm. That is tunnel vision. That is when the police will not look anywhere else because they're so convinced that they have. and, And because it's the pressure, the public pressure, they need... A conviction, they need someone to stand guilty. But for you it. can't
3: get a conviction if
2: there's exactly, you know, and no they never did. Evidence, yeah. and they never did, which is why when he died in 2018, I mean, of course, they put him off the list before that. But now this new guy, which I, I do believe may possibly be the killer, the real killer. But is it the same thing where they're getting tunnel vision again?
3: Does the DNA match this new guy?
2: We're going to talk about that in uh-huh. a second. All right, go ahead and read this, Nicole. This is from The Age, uh, Saturday, May, Saturday, March 18th, 2000.
3: Police have led a prime suspect for almost, oh, sorry. Police have had a prime suspect for almost two years, but despite spending millions on surveillance, DNA, psychological, and lie detector tests, they have not been able to crack one of the nation's most vexing criminal cases. At the center of the investigation is a quietly spoken 42-year-old public servant who, in a bizarre twist, has been publicly identified as the suspect in the Grizzly case. The suspect, a neat and nervous man named Lance, told The Age this week that he had nothing to do with the murders and at times wished police would put an end to this this ordeal by shooting him. Hmm. But the Marco Task Force, set up in 1996 after the second woman disappeared from the Claremont night spot, refuses to allow Lance out of its sights, saying he is still their primary target.
2: If you listen to the interviews, he talks openly about it. He asks any question. He lets any media come into his house. Um, He actually proposed the idea initially of doing a lie detector test. And Mm -hmm. I believe he just failed it because of stress. Right. I mean, those things aren't even fucking accurate. Right, I mean there's a lot of people that fill them damn things yeah they should just get rid of them damn things but he felt it probably because you know he was stressed and he he is the one that said I'll take it right But the thing is the tunnel vision is they had this DNA and it did not match what was under her fingernails man that is that is tunnel vision right there yeah there's no, nothing nothing yeah. else but tunnel vision and I understand it it's not like, they're being bad police or anything, but the public pressure to solve this is just right overwhelming. Anyway, a new theory emerged. It was the bogus taxi driver. Jen mentioned earlier the Uber driver, and yeah, I cannot remember her name. Stephanie, um, Stephanie Jacobson, I believe her name was. She was the the girl, the college. Senior, I believe, or sophomore, USC at USC in Columbia, Five Points area. She actually, if you see on the video, she walks into the cab or into the Uber that wasn't really an Uber without even looking, you know, at the car. She's looking at her phone. So this may have been a bogey taxi driver. Hundreds of taxi drivers were lined up by police. Okay, now this is before they had their their one dedicated suspect. Hundreds were lined up, fingerprinted, and saliva tested. Now, this is crazy. Fifty five hundred taxi drivers were giving rigorous. Background checks, multiple background checks. And in fact, 78 of those taxi drivers lost their license because of this investigation, because of the rigorous police checks, right? Not for the murder, but like for other other things. Yeah, Yeah. other shit. Now, the taxi service, and I was thinking about this with Uber, the Uber thing too, they actually had a huge hit, okay, in in their business because they think— And when it comes out that this may be a bogus taxi driver, ain't nobody taking a fucking taxi anymore. Right. A large portion that the taxi industry in Australia had to do – in the last 10 years or so, was rebuild their image to get people to trust them again. Even though this guy I'm gonna talk about, he wasn't a taxi driver. So that's just the little externalities of what could happen in cases like this. Okay, I'm gonna show you the killer right now, the one that's in trial. His name is Bradley Robert Edwards. Now, this is him around the time. So he's like 32 around this time. This, this is, is the, the guy. Who's in this is the trial guy that's. Now. Yeah, this is the guy that's in prison. Tagline says Bradley Ed- Edwards, above as a young man, was convicted of assaulting a woman in a terrifying attack in 1990.
4: Oh, so he has previous offenses. Oh, he looks way different.
3: Yeah, this is him dad. now.
4: Oh.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he did like not 51. Age well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he also drove a Toyota Camry that looked kind of just like that. This they is- drive
4: on the left side or the right side of the road? I don't know. That's
2: a good question, Jen. Um, Any they drive
4: or- on the left side.
2: What side do we drive on? The
3: right, the side. right. Oh, okay. <laughs> my sister—they drive in, on the left side in Japan. I
4: wonder how difficult it is to to adjust.
3: Honestly, I don't think I could ever do it. Like my. I'm just not that type of person where I feel like I could have my brain really be trained to do that. Why don't
2: they just drive on the damn right side of the road like we do? It's the same reason they their toilets flush the other way. It spins around the other way. Does that's it bullshit. Do they really? Yeah. You know how ours spins around to the I right? I don't
3: think that that's- theirs because... spins around
2: to the left. They want to just be different. That's all that it is. Isn't that just
3: because they're in the Southern Hemisphere?
2: No, it's just they want to be different.
3: I don't think that's right. That is right. I don't that know if right. I believe you. What about the toilets.
2: that is true, Jen.
3: I, but I thought that's because of the Southern
4: Hemisphere. What if we're the ones that are being different? Right? Well, it's America. I
3: mean, in so many ways, we are. Fahrenheit, you know, feet and in inches versus meters. Well, meters don't make any damn sense. I'm just now. saying, we're like the, the only country that uses it.
2: So I measure everything in, in four and a half inches. That's a good measurement <laughs> that I can always, even without a ruler, I can... <gasps> I can measure something four and a half inches at any point in time, unless it's really cold outside.
3: (laughs) You've given yourself more. You used to say three.
2: It's growing as I'm getting older. Uh,. Now, this is from the superintendent Blyveld. He says, quote, The only certainty is that the vehicle was light-colored and the make and model can't be confirmed from witness accounts. Talking about the car he was driving. The guy I'm talking about, Bradley Edwards, had a behavior of attacking women during a personal crisis, right? His first wife actually moves with her parents because she's trying to decide if she should stay in the relationship because around this time, they were boarding someone, just kind of how we board Jen here. And she was actually having an affair with this Sounds guy. Sounds like a dog.
4: Like, I'm going to board <laughs> my dog for the weekend. It's true. Like Harry Potter, but she, we don't have stairs, so they just dug a hole in the ground. Yeah.
2: She was having an affair with the roommate, the boarder, if you will, and then he found out, causing him to go you know, do this personal crisis and do the shit. Now, as I said before, he was a Telstra technician and he was actually an amateur sports official. He would do, uh, what do you call it? F- football. Football. Soccer? No, football. I don't know what the fuck Rugby? it is. Rugby. There you
4: go. Actually, I um, one of the things I remember from my Australian presentation from grad school is that they have their own sport, footy ball, Gen- which is a combination between football rugby and soccer.
2: Yeah, that's what it was, footy ball.
4: Yeah, footyball. That sounds fun. It's an it's an Australian professional sport. Yeah, it looks it looks really interesting.
2: He was a footyball. ball. I, I thought that was a damn joke when I read it. But foodyball, I guess if Jen says it's a real thing. It is, it's a real thing. So he was an amateur sports official for footyball. I was like, man, this is a misprint. It's football. <laughs> well it's Australian football, yeah. Footyball. Yeah, foodie ball. <laughs> My voice is cracked. <laughs> All Aww.
4: right, Reed they actually us. bounce it.
3: With I mean, taking really think about it, our name for football doesn't really make sense because you don't really use your feet. You kick it. Yeah, but that's like nothing. Prior- you run with the That's ball. not the pr- primary objective. That's the primary
4: objective in soccer. You know, I'm not complaining.
2: This is from the Daily Mail. It says. The headline is victim of accused Claremont serial killer tells the court. Now, this is recent. They're in court right now. Tells the court how she escaped his attack by digging her nails into his face after he crept into her bed. Oh, no. Oh,
4: hell no. Yeah.
2: All right. Go ahead, Nekweez. I,
4: I would do more than dig my nails into his face. He, well, I don't know. I He would definitely get... get. Um, I would probably kill him.
2: We, we don't know too much about his childhood childhood, but this is when he was like 19 through his 20s, early 20s. If you want to read this, uh, Nequeize.
3: The former Telstra technician who lived in the area and knew the woman left behind knotted black stockings, a piece of fabric, and silk komodo. There we go. There's the hint, <laughs> which is central to the case that was separate from the nightie he wore which the woman described as a long as long-sleeved and white similar to what my mother wore i'm picturing like the old cartoons the old dr- dressing yeah, gowns like 1800s with the caps. Yeah, yeah like
4: 1800s pajama wear
3: yes like uh, what's that's his fucking name? weird bob cratchit yeah or like um
2: there's the actual yeah, kimono yeah
3: yeah yeah that's
2: the one in evidence right now
4: is it the kimono? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's the kimono. Oh, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. The, What the does that say? Can, Danielle, Danielle, <laughs> can, you, can you get Translate. a picture of <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, let, let me go, and let me tell you about what they found in his house right quick, and then I'll go back to that.
4: It does look comfy.
2: Okay.
3: I think that's the kimono, though, not the dressing gown.
2: You're looking at the kimono right now. Go talkmore.com to see what he would wear. But this is from the prosecutor Carmel... Barbara Gallo. cannot pronounce her name. So I'm probably off quote. This is what she said in the court like two days ago, quote, the accused Bradley Edwards was an introverted and socially awkward man, not involved in any intimate or meaningful relationships. He had a tendency to collect and maintain women's underwear and a tendency to wear women's underwear and garments. There's the Colonel oh. Russell Williams. Go back uh, Pretty in Pink with Colonel Russell Williams. It's like episode nine, I believe.
3: Is that one only available for Supremos?
2: Uh, Maybe. I think I may have took it off. That's one of my favorite episodes. Now With the fashion show. This is when he was 19 years old. In fact... And this is why, so that's the Colonel Russell Williams, that's how I made that connection. Now for the Golden State Killer, here's the other connection, because remember the Golden State Killer was the Visalia Ransacker, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. This guy was actually proven to be in the court, the Huntingdale Prowler.
3: And he was,
2: there was 19 separate incidents within one kilometer, which is like, a mile.
4: See, this is why we have a problem with this being on a different system. It's a little over a mile, I think.
2: <laughs> one, 19 incidents within one kilometer of his home where he would, this is when he was 19, dress in women's lingerie. And at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, ow, he ow. would go enter people's home, girls' homes, and steal their underwear while he was wearing a full full nightie. What and, and In one case, I'm going to tell you— she turns on the light, and this guy is wearing this motherfucking oh kimono. God.
3: But he's got lingerie on under, under. Exactly.
2: So he's breaking in wearing this shit already. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. You know?
3: For you, dude, when, I don't really know what to say to him right now.
2: When he was arrested, I'm going to talk, talk about how he got arrested in a minute, so just stay with me. When he was arrested, they found a lot of porn, including a one porno... That was kind of like a rape fantasy porn called Forced Entry, Ooh. which the girls were getting yeah. snatched off the street and raped. Oh. Similar to yeah. what the MO. Yeah. yeah. Now yep. none of the stuff that they found in his house is gonna be used in evidence that just came out. Why the the judge will not allow any of the porno and and some of the other stuff I'm talking about because and I was listening to the judge say it. There's like a very specific uh, line that you have to draw. Like it has to be extremely similar. Like that is like I know, but it's similar, but it's not very I don't know. I don't know my legalese with it, but it's supposed to be proportional to the actual crime. You have to dive deeper into that. I, I could not do it. But they also found stories that he had written, like actual paper pen stories, when they arrested him, went through his home. One of them was called Chloe, and it was a story of basically a young barmaid in Claremont, right? She gets off work, walks down two blocks, and was attacked and drugged into a panel van, with a like a burlap burlap sack over her head and then she was raped and tortured and stuff like that. But now I want to say the rapes that I'm going to talk about in a minute were done in a panel van because he was using the Telstra issued van, panel van, to carry out some of these rapes. Does that make sense?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Now let me go back a little bit. I kind of jumped forward there. Okay, there was a few people that actually Came forward in the in the trial and admitted that he actually raped them. Here's one. Has
3: the statute of limitations passed on rape?
2: Yeah, it has. It's a very Ah. good question. It's a very good question. But they this builds character witnesses.
3: Well, I'm also I was just thinking like, can they at least put him away for something? I don't know, but no, I I don't. But if the statutes passed, that's a
2: really good question, and I do not know. That's a very good question. I actually want to look that up after this. If you guys know, please let me know, because if they cannot put him away for that and they cannot directly tie him to these murders, then he's going to walk free. The reason I'm so interested in this case is because he, I think he may be able to walk free mm. because he is not admitting to killing these two women, but he is admitting to two rapes.
3: Mm. Well, if the statutes passed, then he feels like he's in the clear.
2: I know. But that's why they're trying to build character like the prosecution's trying to oh, do this yeah. whole escalation I, I thing yeah no, i get it it's but. very touchy like this case is very interesting cuz you really don't know
3: but what about the dna
2: i'm going to get to that in a second okay all right this is a, a rape victim now this is 30 years ago he actually was at the hospital called the Hollywood hospital okay in perth he was in the Hollywood Hospital west of Perth, and there was a social worker working behind the desk. He comes in in his full tes- Telestra uh, attire because he's working, he's installing phone lines for the hospital. He asked to go pee, use the bathroom, you know, and she says, okay. The lady recalls hearing the toilet fr- flush and everything else. Then he comes back to the desk, has like a little dialogue with her, and then attacks her right there in broad daylight and grabs her from behind and starts pulling her towards the bathroom because he was probably going to rape her. Now, he puts a cloth— and can contra-
3: contain himself here.
2: He puts a cloth in her mouth, like over her mouth, and she was desperately trying not to breathe because she thought it was chloroform. And then she figured out it wasn't, and she basically kicked the dude in the nads and got away. Good so, for her. Yeah. yeah, great for her. Now, this is, this is actually her testimony— from uh, the courtroom a few days ago. If you want to read this, Nicole.
3: I was trying desperately not to breathe because I thought there was something on the cloth, the woman told the court. I honestly thought I was going to die. I breathed in and there was nothing on the cloth. So that was when I started to really struggle. I thought, I've got a chance here. My feet kept slipping on the carpet. There was a lot of strength, but I managed to twist around.
2: She struggles, but finally frees herself and the man runs out saying three words. Well, six words, quote, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That, to me, shows that this guy has a problem. Mm. Like he is, you know, like he's got a, a, he's sorry
3: he got a sexual
2: uh, urges that are too powerful for him to kind of control. You know what I'm saying? He's apologizing. The police find cable ties in his pocket and he claimed that it was a, quote, distressing week. That's when he found out his wife was with having an affair with their border. This was six years before the murder. Now, this is from the the first wife talking about the relationship with Bradley Edwards. This is from the Daily Mail.
4: He told the court that on Sunday mornings while Edwards was asleep up the hall, the first Mrs. Edwards would sneak into my room while Bradley was sleeping for sex. The first wife told the man Bradley won't wake up, but he thought she was playing a dangerous game.
2: That's fucked up. I mean, screwing the guy right when your husband's there. It's fucking crazy. Now, the relationship goes downhill when she says he bought a computer. Computers were coming out of the laptops. Now, you mean because of porn? um I, I don't know he's she says that he was on the computer quote every night seven nights a week and so am i but because of porn uh, maybe. <laughs> no not you
3: <laughs> maybe yeah. i don't know what you do when i go to sleep no i'm
2: just always on the podcast and stuff <laughs> quote he'd come home from work get changed go on the computer come out for a meal and then go back in again Now, let me talk about why he got arrested. It was DNA evidence. Now, on December 20th, 2016, while under surveillance, he was taking his stepdaughter to a cinema, like a movie, and he throws a Sprite bottle into the garbage, and the detectives Ah. swoop in, just like they do on Forensic Files, Hmm. swoop in and get it. DNA was taken, and he was arrested two days later. The DNA connected him to a rape that... uh, we didn't even talk about it, it was a, a snatch-and-grab rape, and he took the woman to a cemetery and when it was moonless night, completely black. Ooh. Basically, the stuff that he wrote in his journal there, his story, he did. He basically abducted her in the van, his telestra van, and then took her to this cemetery, raped her, and left her there to die. If she actually lived. She actually she testified in court as well. Now, in 2008, forensic the forensic lab in Perth got scrapings of DNA from Sierra Glennon's left thumbnail. The DNA was then unknown, but in January 2009, in January 2009 they ran a match and picked up an unsolved rape at the Karrakatta Cemetery, the one I just talked about. That's how they linked him together. Okay. Now, Bradley did admit to the rape and he has even though at first he admitted not being non-guilty, but he has since admitted guilt to the rape, but he has not admitted guilt to the two murders. They're trying him for two murders right now because the one body hasn't been found. So they can get him on two murders, but they got to be able to connect them. Yeah. So that's basically it. Like he's in trial right now. We, we don't know anything else. Any hmm. questions? The DNA to talk about, to answer your question from earlier that you said about the DNA, was the DNA matched from him to the victim. Mm -hmm. It does from the um, Sierra's defensive strikes, but the defense is saying that the DNA was most possibly infused in the lab, kind of like mixed in the lab, or was kept too close together and was contaminated or something something else or the other. Mm -hmm. Now, what they're trying to do right now is confirm fiber testings for the type of car he used to have and mm. stuff like that they're they're trying to do everything. I don't know if they have a smoking gun or not yeah it has not I came think out the
3: DNA would be but
2: well the the defense is saying that it, it was just like Stephen Avery it was uh, contaminated mm. okay because you got to think about it just like think about Stephen Avery, right? And they looked at the DNA thing and it had that hole in it. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is one of the biggest, most expensive, most exhaustive crimes in Australia. They are desperate to put someone in prison and for the rest of their life. They're desperate to find a guilty party. But they already did, right? With that one guy, they followed him for two years. They made him the guilty party. It didn't work out. So now it's the same thing. They could literally lose it because they lost a lot of trust putting that one guy in surveillance for two years and it didn't pan out. So now anything like if the defense says, oh, the DNA is contaminated or whatever, you already are starting at a a low platform of trust with the general public and the jury. I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to convict him or not. I don't know if— 12 people on a jury will put this guy guilty or not. I don't know. I mean, we don't know unless they got a real smoking gun. But the DNA, if they come out and say it was contaminated, they're screwed. Well,
3: you know, Stephen Avery seemed that way, too, but he still got convicted. So,
2: yeah, I, know. I don't know. If you want to stay up to date on this story, there is that podcast from the West Australian they're the news reporters that have been covering this for 20 years. So I would definitely go there and listen to all those. They're really good, all the interviews and stuff like that. But I'm definitely going to keep my eyes open yeah. on this case. When do they
3: expect the trial to conclude?
2: Um, I think six months.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah,
2: it's a big trial. It's a huge trial because they have—
3: Can you imagine being selected on that jury? Good but Lord. they.
2: So the guy, uh, Bradley Edwards, is very nonchalant, kind of like very easygoing about this whole thing, mm. right? You know, it's like he doesn't really care type of thing. So it's either he's checked out or he's maybe playing the like he's nonchalant, like he didn't do it type of thing or mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. So that's about all that is in this case as of this minute right now.
3: I think they're going to convict him. I, I'm I just, calling it now. I what mean, do you guys think?
2: I don't, I don't think they're going to convict him because like I said, they've lost a lot of trust with the public already with that one guy. And I'm telling you, he's saying he didn't do it. And if the DNA comes back as contaminated, I mean, unless they have a smoking gun, which I don't know if they do or not, they, but then again, they got the knife, Yeah. which, you know, doesn't directly put him to it unless they got DNA off the knife, which that hasn't came out yet that they have. Mm All right, well, that was my story on um, the Claremont serial killer. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, and I look forward to seeing how this case resolves itself. So... If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our kimono, go to talkmur.com says join, become a talk us primo, get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love, shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on Talk Murder Me Podcast. My name is John. Here are Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good day, mate. I literally hear crickets <laughs> outside.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Where the fuck is this stupid ass shit? All right, I'll read this. Um, so, at Huntington, we've been asking ourselves can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout it analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout.
1: There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious, beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.